0: Welcome to The Revenue Café. The Revenue Café podcast is brought to you by Breadcrumbs, the Revenue Acceleration Platform. In each episode, we will bring you interesting conversations on all things sales, marketing, and CX-related. The hope is we will help you along the path to revenue acceleration and entertain you along the way.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Revenue Cafe. Thank you so much for joining us. As usual, I'm joined with my partner in crime, Joe Iker, And this week, we are so lucky to have Sam Stiles, Director of Marketing Operations at Summit 7. Sam, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Gary and Joe. Awesome. Uh, Sam, maybe in order to like just give some context to our audience, you can share a little bit about yourself and... Uh, Tell us what Summit 7, Summit 7 is all about.
2: Totally. So Summit 7 originally started as a SharePoint consulting organization. Uh, if you are asleep right now, then please wake back up so I can tell you uh, what we've done in the last couple years. So in 2017, we shifted to uh, focus on contractors in the DOD supply chain. So basically... People making jets and F-35s and all the cool stuff that China steals, those are the people we support. So we're, we're a Microsoft partner through and through. We're built on the Microsoft stack. And so we deal with companies who wanna operate in the government cloud of Microsoft. So it's called GCC High. So uh, we're known as a, a Microsoft government cloud organization and we build compliance solutions for contractors. There are lots of boring regulations that are now in effect. And in 2025, we'll take full effect for the DoD But in a nutshell, uh, you have to do this if you're in the DOD and you want to win contracts. And so that's Summit 7. So uh, let me drill down a little bit. Uh, My role at Summit 7, as Gary mentioned, is Director of Marketing Operations. And what that means is uh, I do a lot of things on a day-to-day basis. So I actually have a team that we refer to as our uh, Digital Marketing and our Operations team. And that's kind of quasi-sales and marketing. So a couple of uh, my team members are focused... About ninety percent on supporting our sales team. We're an inbound marketing company, obviously Revenue Cafe. I'm assuming some of it's built on inbound marketing, right? And so, uh, originally, when I got to Summit Seven, there were two of us, and so inbound marketing and the funnel was two people down here, and the funnel was really wide because we were doing everything right. And so, uh, since since then, let's see, that was end of twenty. 20- 19, and now uh, we're, we're about 11 people and a couple of interns. And so it's grown significantly, which is awesome. Uh, personally, I've been working in marketing for, I think, five years now. I started in sales, realized that uh, I could not sell anything. I was told people I could sell bacon to a pig, and then I actually got a sales job, and it was terrible. So I uh, was in the logistics, third-party logistics field, and was like, there's gotta be something better. Uh, landed a digital marketing job in Huntsville, Alabama, North Alabama. And, uh, started to pick up Marketo and Salesforce and Inbound marketing and, uh, the rest is history. So did some BD in between there, lots of small companies. Uh, but, uh, but Summit 7, uh, we started at 40 people when I got here and now we're about 120. So lots of growth in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great growth. That's like what? Three, three X in, in a couple of years. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, that's great. yep. Whenever, yeah. uh, somebody new is on a call or, or in the hallway, I'm like, mm, I don't know who that is. So lots of, Hey, yeah. Hey girl. And Hey man's so. for sure.
1: Um, I guess that's particularly impressive because, uh, I would imagine that the kind of target market, the good side of the target market would be like super defined, like not particularly, um, difficult to find players that would need your services. But the flip side of that, it's probably not like a huge number of potential customers.
2: Interestingly, uh, I thought the same thing when I came in. I thought, "Are we gonna Are we gonna cap out in this market?" And I quickly realized because of the way the DOD supply chain is built, right? You have your prime contractors, let's just say Lockheed Martin, then you have your sub, then their sub, then theirs, and it's it tears all the way down. Well, with this regulation called CMMC, Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, it's a mouthful. Uh, basically, everybody has to be compliant. So if you have sensitive data at all. Um, which is called CUI, Controlled Unclassified Information. So proprietary data, Any if you touch it, you have to be CMMC level three, and there's five levels. But essentially, uh, a, a subcontractor that makes parts that go on Lockheed Martin's F-35, the, the guy who literally, it's a one-person machine shop who screws in the bolts to the F-35, if he has schematics to that machine, it's considered CUI. So that one-person shop guy, he's now got to invest 100, dollars 200000 $300,000 every three years into wow. his information systems. And then the thing that makes it different, so there was regulations in the past that said, hey, contractors, you have to do this. Everybody raised their hand and said, checkbox, yeah, we're doing this. And then the DoD and everybody in the world realized that there were F-35s in China. Russia's doing everything we're doing. And we're like, how are they getting all this these weapons? And people are literally like, making an envelope, licking it, and sending the schematics, right, essentially to Russia and China because they're not protecting their information. I mean, they're on Windows 98 computers in their manufacturing floor and Lockheed is sending, you know, Joe in his machine shop the entire plan to the F-35 when in reality, he just may need the right wing or the left wing or something like that. And so basically the sensitive data was getting leaked because nobody was actually protecting the information. And so CMMC, the difference is, um, now you have to hire a third-party assessor to literally come into your organization um, and assess your information systems. And so uh, the the solutions that we sell, we're actually becoming CMMC compliant ourselves, so that we can say, hey, you know, we make the cake and we we're eating our cake and selling it right. Um, yeah. So we're going through even my team, like I'm writing policies and procedures of how. Uh, example, we're not going to put proprietary data on social media. I have to manage how, you know, there are gates and check boxes to make sure an employer and interns not posting sensitive content on social media. So it's really, really intense, but it's expensive. And so obviously people are going to outsource it because Joe's machine shop, again, they don't, they don't want to, uh, they can't do all of it. Right. So we're the company they outsource to. And, uh, so big difference is the third party assessor and that's every three years and it's, it's a significant cost to get the systems and then significant cost to get the assessments. So to answer your original question, we're very, very, very niche, but that yeah. market is astronomical. It's huge. And a lot of people are backing out of DoD work for this reason.
1: Wow. So, like, you know more about this than I ever want to know, to be quite honest, Sam. Um, but, uh, like, do you have an education hurdle in this space? Or, like, does Joe at the machine shop in, you know, small town Georgia, does he know this just because, like, otherwise he'll never get the work? H- How does the education part fit in?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Joe probably does not know. Uh, Joe don't know, as we say. And uh, I, that's I a, don't, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> that's a problem. Um, honestly, so like the first version of CMMC got released in 2019. That was right before I came on board. I quickly realized that a majority, at the time, a majority of defense industrial-based suppliers, the DoD supply chain, not only do they not know what CMMC is or did they not at the time, but they didn't know that these assessments were coming or they didn't care because They had been saying, oh, we've been doing this, you know, DOD, we've been doing this. But then when the DOD released CMMC and and a lot of people, um, including a lady named uh, Katie Arrington, hashtag free Katie, she um, she basically was going around doing webinars and events and everything saying, this is real. Like you're literally not going to have any more work like your company is going to be out of business if you don't pass the CMMC level three assessment. And, um, and so people started to really understand and you see like different waves of like understanding and then there's a lull and understanding a lull. like it's similar to, you know, macroeconomic factors in other industries and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, to answer, to answer the question, people didn't know they're, they're informed now. So a lot of the marketing is based off the understanding that like, what is CMMC is not a thing anymore, but I mean, man, for a good six, seven, eight, nine months, I mean, our theme was let's just explain what cmmc is and why it's a thing because no one has a right so yeah a lot of like get the information out there
1: yeah and so like a lot you know a lot of good inbound marketers they're like they're spending time looking at at google search trends to figure out like what are people searching up and making sure we're creating content to capture some of that audience and fill the top of the funnel um I assume you guys do something similar and did you see have you seen upward trends in like you know what is cm uh sorry cmsc C- yeah.
2: cmmc yeah two m's okay, in the middle C-M-M. and two
1: c's at the end excuse me okay did you see that oh, one like C is on that engine, me.
2: yeah yeah so uh, I'm going to try to get as deep as I can into it without giving the secret sauce away. And I'm going to tell you why I don't want to give the secret sauce away. Uh, but, um, for, for the most part, okay. If you've ever read, read any DOD document, which, um, I hope that you haven't, because again, you may never wake <laughs> I have up. It. I don't uh, have the clearance. <laughs> so literally like if you go and you Google CUIDOD and there's like a registry and it's in its um, language, right? And you can look up CMMC, you read all of CMMC and what it is. If you're Joe in your machine shop, you're like, what the heck is this? Like, I don't know how to distill this information. So, literally, the first, I mean, from 2019 to really all of 2020 was we're going to distill all of this like crazy technical information that nobody reads that the DoD puts out and bottle it into a blog, put it into a webinar, put it into a landing page and and pull out the meatballs and then put it on some pasta and serve it to people. Right. And right. so we started seeing an extreme amount of, um, market saturation, uh, competitors left and right, man. And, and I'm, I, I'm going to try to lace this with a bit, a little bit of humility, but because of the way that Um, Our team has written in the past and and how technical they've been able to take technical content, make it palatable and deliver it. Right. Like that's a that's a good strategy. Um, Everybody has has done started to do the same thing. So like we put out a what is CMMC pillar page article, right? Three months later, you see 40 companies who do CMMC and they put out the, literally the same exact thing and they're just like swapping paragraphs around. They're like,
1: "Sure, download yeah, our
2: yeah. white paper. And we're like, dude, it's literally exactly the same. So the biggest challenge has been um, doing something different and fighting off competition. It has been very, yeah. very frustrating. Imitation is flattery, but it gets really old after a while.
1: For sure. It gets tiring. That that's That's for sure. And I think, listen, this content game... It's just, regardless of what industry, what audience you're trying to serve, it's just gotten harder, right? There's so much out there, um, and yeah, it's easy to it's easy to flatter, not to use the word copy, right? <laughs> like, um, yeah. the, I I think like one of the interesting nuggets, kind of sidebar to the conversation, I think there's a whole industry that could be born out of just translating government documents. To be honest, like I we're we're planning this, as I mentioned uh, prior to us starting recording, we're planning our first company meetup and and people are traveling from all over the world to Italy uh, to get together and, and meet face to face for the first time. And trying to understand what the requirements are, like from country A to enter country B, uh, you know, what testing, what vaccination, what you'll go to three different government websites and there's three completely different indiscernible uh, articles. Um, It's crazy. There must be like a special class on like how to write convoluted, confusing government documents. Cause it seems like everything the government puts out is that am I the only one that that feels that way?
2: No, I mean, I I can ask a question. Like if you have an iPhone, right. uh, You're familiar with Apple wallet. Okay. Apple wallet gives you your debit card, your Delta airlines pass, your, uh, hunting and fishing license. I'm in Alabama. Like you have everything in there because it's convenient. The name, the name of the game and be careful what I say here. But, um, if I'm a DOD contractor, the last thing I want to do is comb through 300 pages of a DOD written document and then try to read all the references. Right. I don't want to do that. Um, organizations can be built on distilling information into a convenient palatable way for people it just it is what it is like it's all in the name of convenience right apple wallet apple's capitalized because using an iphone is convenient like you can do whatever you want and people don't use it because it's the most technical thing if you want technical go android but like if you want easy i mean because if I if if I'm somebody who enjoys technology, but my you know 62 year old mother in law who I love very much, she can use an iPhone 12 just as much as I can. I mean, man, they're nailing it. <clears throat> that so, was a nice shout-out All to in the, the same vein, by the way, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Way to great. earn some brownie points leading up to to, to Turkey Day. Um, <laughs> I am hoping I'm hoping my wife is listening, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, listen, I completely believe that thesis, right? Because that's. Uh, breadcrumbs is kind of built on that uh, on that idea right you think about i don't know probably 10 years ago like the big thing maybe a little bit more recent than that but the big thing everybody was talking about was like big data big data and how important big data is um and you you know you don't see as many people talking about big data anymore but the reality is it's still there right like organizations collect reams and reams and reams of data um but they don't really do much with it. Right? And, um, and that's what breadcrumbs, one of the things that breadcrumbs helps solve, like, we really believe that that data holds or hides a bunch of revenue opportunities within businesses. And by using breadcrumbs, we can we can extract meaning from that data, and help you find that revenue, Uh, be it like, you know, identifying the leads that are most likely to close faster, or, um, finding the customers in your customer base or install base that are prime for like an upgrade or an upsell or helping you identify customers that are like not so happy and might be churning. Right. Um, you, those signals exist in most companies today. It's just, there's no kind of easy operational way to uncover those opportunities. And that, and that's what breadcrumbs does. Um, which is is basically the same thing, but instead of like convoluted government documents, it's um uh, you know endless amounts of corporate data.
2: Right. Right. There's I I I read a book recently. Um obviously it wasn't that recent because I can't remember the name of it, but the, the conceptual theory was everybody wants to do something different. And when you think of starting a business, you think, well, I just want to do something that nobody's done before. Well, there's a reason nobody's done it before, probably because Either the market was flooded or it was way too hard. The barrier of entry was super high. So it's not a matter of doing something someone's never done before. It's a matter of taking stuff that people are already doing and not making it suck. Like that is the way to do it. So let's use semic 7 for an example. We try to make really boring stuff like cybersecurity federal regulations funny. I mean, we just shot a video. I'll send you the YouTube link. We just shot a video on um, Palo Pinto Lake in Gordon, Texas. And, uh, my boss is canoeing in a handmade hand planed wooden canoe by the man of uh, a name of star Bowen himself, who is an incredible human, but we literally reached out to him and said, Hey, we're going to be in Austin, Texas. Can you make a handmade wooden canoe? And can we film it in your shop? And then can we put it on a lake near you and paddle it around and shoot a video? And he was like, sure. That sounds great. So we flew to Texas and my boss talks about CMMC in a boat while he's sweating. And the, the thought is like protect the sweat because Americans are sweating and working really hard to make this cool data and we're giving it away for free. And so like, it's just, you have to make it fun. I mean, it's boring and we know that So you have to make it fun and it's important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think you and I might be swapping video links. So uh, I don't know if this episode will (laughs) drop before uh, we release our, I'm just going to call it animated. Yeah. You're uh, leading out
0: to the, the, the cartoon that we're releasing. Yeah.
1: So. <laughs> a cartoon animated series, whatever, whatever we want to call it. Yeah. So there's a title and stuff, but I don't want to, like I, like I said, I don't know when this episode is dropping. So, um, but yeah, we've, we've put a lot of effort into creating this, you know, animated video that, um, that teases these problems in organizations in a really fun and, and compelling way, right? Um, because you know, it—the conversation around digging through your data to find revenue—talk about glazing eyes glazing over, right? Like, um, right. So we want to talk about it in a fun way.
2: Eyes, um,
1: I happen to be one of those weird people that actually finds that process fun, but I know I'm the exception, not the rule, right? So, um, yeah, we'll swap—we'll swap video links after this uh, after this call. Sounds good. We've been grinding uh, on
2: YouTube lately. So trying to get, it, trying to get our followers up,
1: man. We're trying to become YouTube things. Sure. But going back to the, kind of the premise of your point, which is like, you know, some things are just hard to do or like, uh, um, the barrier of entry is really high or, you know, I come from relatively humble beginnings. My parents were immigrants to to Canada. Um, you know, they worked, uh, the jobs that other people don't want to work. Like my parents were janitors and my dad was a construction worker and, Um, and we got to the point of like, um, uh, building a little business and having a bunch of contracts that we, we, uh, we ran and it was really, it was like relatively easy to do that. And, uh, I'm being, I'm naturally inquisitive uh, and I had a natural curiosity about business. So I started looking into this and, and like as a category, right, like as a, as an industry, The cleaning business is one of those where like there's these sunrise businesses all the time, right? Like there's new cleaning companies every day and there's cleaning companies going out of business every day. And it's because really like you need like a mop and a vacuum and the willingness to knock on some doors and offer your services, right? So there's like next to no barrier to entry. Um, At the same time, there's also next to no innovation, right? So like whoever comes up with the better mousetrap in terms of how do you approach cleaning as a category in general or cleaning for a specific subset, right. For restaurants, for uh, industrial like hospitals or or whatever, those guys are going to build like a meaningful business because nobody's uh, attacked that problem um, in a new and innovative way. I think, I think this idea of like creating completely new, novel things um it's the exception not the rule right like how like how often does that really happen right yeah i mean
2: again back to the barrier of entry thing you know i was just thinking when you when you talk about local businesses um i've done some website stuff on the side and you know it can be everybody they they get their start with family members right and it's hard to give family members harsh feedback because in their mind, their company and their idea is the best there ever was, which is great because you want that passion, right? At the same time, you have to be honest and say, you're saying the same thing that everybody else is saying. And you know, having a website is not differentiating you anymore. And they say, "Well, I want to. I want to do the whole rank high on Google thing. I want to be high on Google." <laughs> and my my response is, "How how hard do you want to work for that? are you willing to start a blog? Are you willing to understand SEO from a conceptual standpoint? Like, and a lot of times we don't get there, right? So, um, yeah. I, I let me let me use an example, on this whole land a little better. I have a family member whom I love very much. He uh, started a business." Very, very uh, lucrative on social media, and he says, "I want to start a website." I'm like, "Great, let's work on it together." He says, uh, "I want to, I want to sell stuff on it," and I said, "Yeah, it's called e-commerce." Okay, great. Yeah, I want to pay like, I don't know, three or four hundred bucks. Like, you trying to pay me or somebody else three or four hundred bucks? You want it to look good, or do you want it to do you want it to do anything? Because that's not going to get you anywhere. Well, what's it going to cost? So I start giving him roundabout numbers for people like get some numbers from people I know to start delivering an e-commerce website. Bro, it's a ton of work to keep up an e-commerce website. He's like, I had to buy this commissary. That was a lot of work. I'm like, well, okay, multiply it times five and that's an e-commerce website. Like you, you, you got to understand that um, there are ways to do certain things. You don't have to have a website nowadays to sell everything. To the cleaning example, right? You could sell on social media. You can get on Facebook and you can sell on Facebook and market your business, but it's going to limit you to some point. And so you have to make a decision, right? Is it going to be knocking on doors? Is it going to be um, passing out flyers? Is it going to be a billboard? You have to decide what your approach is going to be. But if you don't believe it, man, people can sniff that out so quick. Because, you know, one of the, um, this is a little bit of a uh, generational concept, I guess. We were talking about, you know, millennials and boomers earlier before the call. Uh, I'm going to use uh, Gen Zers as an example they can sniff fake so quick because they're so they're so fast on social media. If you have a fake pitch mm-hmm. or a fake scheme or a fake, anything, I mean, you're at like, they're writing you off. Right. And so, um, people want to follow companies and leaders who are real, not ones that are always right. And so I had a person reach out to me on LinkedIn this morning and she sends me this long pitch and I literally read through it and I messaged her back. These words, it's really unclear what you're trying to pitch to me. And it was one of those random, like, you know how people just like slide in your DMs on LinkedIn. They have those messages. I responded to her and said, it is so unclear what you're trying to pitch to me right now. Like, even if I needed your service, I wouldn't have a clue what you're trying. She wanted to hop on a call. I'm like, what's the goal of this call? Now I'm all Mm. about making friends and all that kind of stuff. But if you're going to pitch something, if you're going to discover revenue, that's not there. If you're going to sell compliance um, solutions to a DOD contractor, don't go in there and give them a really great ask. Like, well, I think we could talk about that. But like people are so sick of that because they can sniff fake so quickly. So anyways, I'm not saying yeah. our businesses are built on Gen Zers. But what I am saying is like because of how much people are marketed to nowadays, because of how much information you get, our minds like we've now learned to just sift through anything that's fake and just write it off so quickly. So you've oh, got to be really 100%. intentional you know, hundred percent. I,
1: I don't relate all that well to the first part of your story. Like I said, I come from like a immigrant family. So I have a big, loud Portuguese family and they're more than happy to tell me what sucks about everything that I do. So <laughs> I need some um, of that. In my family. Which, yeah. yeah Mine's actually, English like, and Irish. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is uh mine is very, very, I, I did the whole like uh, DNA thing and it's like 100% Portuguese. I was like, all right. Um, but, um, yeah, so like the, 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 the thing that I keyed in on that's like really, I think misunderstood about anything in life, but particularly like building a company or trying to grow a business is it's work, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's hard work and grind. Um, and if you're not going to put the work in yourself, then it's money, right? Cause you're going to pay somebody else to do that hard work. Um, I think that there's this like romanticizing of like uh, entrepreneurialism, um, startup culture, whatever, because everybody's focused on like the unicorns and the the success stories and the outcomes. And people don't realize tons of these businesses have been around forever grinding, right? Just like trying to find a way to make it work. Uh, everybody talks about Amazon and how it's like, I don't know, it's like a trillion dollar company now, right? It it operated for decades at a loss, right? Um, right. Everybody focuses on the success and they want to gloss over all the hard work that has to go into it or they don't want to do it, right? I, I think that's the probably the more true statement. They don't want to do the hard work.
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's honestly a math equation, right? So we uh, we moved recently, and I I like to consider myself handy. Most things just fall off the wall. I'm learning. I'm, I'm becoming a better dad, but uh, I can paint. And we actually had to hire someone to paint some of our house, which like made my eye twitch when I thought about the fact that I was like giving someone money to do something I could do myself. But it's a math problem, and I thought, is it worth me to? Give somebody you know a small amount of money to help paint my house, or is it is it worth that for me to spend time with my family and go to work and not have to take off and to contribute right and at the end of the day, you have to get to a place to the grinding point you have to get to a place where you're like, do I value this? is this powerful enough to keep me going like if you don't have a why like if you don't have a vision and you don't have i'm not even saying i'm not even talking about a mission mission statement like We're going to do this for all people. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you don't have a why, like a purpose behind why you're doing something, when it comes 830 and you know you have to work on your concept or your startup for another four hours and you decide, I think I'm going to go to bed anyways, your why is not strong enough. Like you don't believe. And I'm getting a little Simon Sinek on it, um, but I'm a big fan of his because he's right. Like people don't know their why. And if you ask them, like, well, I'm driven by money. Well, you're going to burn out in a couple of years because, you know, that won't last very long. Well, I'm driven by family. Okay. Well, that that is a very good why. But at the same time, um, if you don't have a family, are you gonna hire somebody and be able to translate that same why? Like, you gotta help people get there. And um, and I guess to to dial it back in uh to Summit Seven and and uh this is a this is a layup for breadcrumbs after I'm done. Um but <laughs> but our why is like we're literally protecting the United States of America eagle flies in and screeches. I mean, this is information that like, we're just giving away. And I live in Huntsville, Alabama, which is, they call it the rocket city. Like we have the redstone arsenal, which is a major hub for defense and weapon systems. And so when there's like any kind of nuclear talk, people in Huntsville get a little sweaty because we're on the map. Like we're protecting national data. Now, is it, kind of from a reach. Yeah. A little bit. Like it's a little bit of me saying that, but like you can find people that will leave an organization so quick because they don't have a why and then they're going to go to the next place and not find it, go to the next place and not find it. And so, you know, I challenge myself a lot and coworkers of like, why do you do what you do? Well, it's for the money. Okay. Well, it's got to be deeper than that. So let's figure it out. And, um, so anyways, I guess my, question, if I'm allowed to ask you guys questions is, uh, of course. Yeah. You know, what are what is breadcrumbs? Why? And, and what are y'all's personal ones?
1: Yeah. So I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll address, I'd love to hear Joe's answer to this too, but I'll, I'll address the concept of this why thing first. Right. I do think it's really important to have a why behind what you're doing. I do think sometimes people abstract the why too far, right? Like, uh, you know, why do you go to work every day? Well, to, cause I, I want to support my family. Uh, that's like too far of an abstraction because it becomes an excuse for putting up with things instead of a reason to be passionate about things. Right. Like, you know, I, I get up every morning to provide a better life for my family for sure, but at the macro, right on the micro, like certain things that I do, the whys are more directly related to those things, right? Why did I, why did I personally start breadcrumbs and why do I want to see breadcrumbs grow? Because I'm obsessed with winning, right? That is, that is my why I get personal validation from doing hard things. Well, succeeding at them and beating other people at it. And that seems like crazy, uh, cynical or kind of hollow, but it's, It's my why. Like, I like to win at everything. I like to beat my 12-year-old at cards. Right? Like, I word have word. no issues beating my 12-year-old at cards. Um, I, think it, I think it teaches her a lesson, and, it, and I actually enjoy it. Right? Um, the, the why breadcrumbs, like, the ethos behind the breadcrumbs organization, um, it's is very, like, related to the real reason most organizations exist. Most organizations exist for a profit motive, right? They they want to make money. They want to grow. And that, that has a bunch of like related tangible benefits, right? Which is like employing tons of people, creating opportunity, reinvesting into the community. I think all of those things are tied to the we need to grow as a business and we need to be a profitable business, right? And so breadcrumbs is is designed, is built around this idea of helping businesses achieve that goal, right? Like You can have a great idea. You can have the best salesperson, the best uh, customer success people, the best product experience. But if you're not growing and making money, you're not going to exist. Um, And that's often the challenge for a lot of companies, right? Like the companies eventually go out of business because they're not making money. So we know that there's money being left on the table at a lot of companies. um, And we want to help you find that. So that you can continue to invest in your employees, so that you can build an organization that people want to work for, so that you can invest in whatever programs you are investing in. Um, that's that's how I see it. Uh, Joe would love to hear your yeah. your take on this.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, um, obviously Gary recruited me, right? And so like his his dream kind of became my dream right in a way you know and it's interesting because like i i gary's in toronto i'm in san antonio san Antonio's like the redheaded stepchild of of the austin san antonio relationship in terms of like startups and tech and all that kind of stuff but like i'm i'm here with my family i don't plan on moving and and it's and it is kind of the same idea like Maybe there's a sales organization that could grow out of uh, San Antonio that we could start to employ more people and we can build up a community of people who, you know, work in SaaS and technology and, and startups and have more options than just working at USAA, which is like the big, like regional insurance company that employs a billion people down here, right? Like, or HEB, the grocery store, like that's, that's your options when you live in San Antonio. Um, And for somebody like me, it's like, well, that's, that's not fulfilling at all, right? And so then I also think too, like, what's, what was I passionate about? Like, I'm a musician, I went to college for music, Uh, I cycle, right? Like, I, you know, things like that, like, wouldn't it be cool to like, do something like, like that? But the truth is, like, with, with those passions, like I've worked jobs doing those things and I've worked sales in those jobs. So what did I learn? Like I learned how to struggle through, you know, hitting quota and how to overcome that. And like, what are the tools and tips and tricks along the way that make that easier? And I can transfer that anywhere, right? And so that's where you know, finding a company like Breadcrumbs where we're trying to help solve those things for people. And then I can even solve those things for ourselves, right? Like it just kind of becomes full circle. So I don't know, there's, there's lots of reasons for it, but I think you're right. Like even even younger people trying to find like their why, I think that floats around a lot for them, right? Like they just, they kind of like grasp onto a, like a passion of theirs, right? But it's finding those those other things that relate to the passion. That they start to learn really well. And for me, it was like sales and operational kind of success, and how do you repeat that no matter where you're at, right? And and that's where where it comes from. So it's interesting to like to think about how you can parlay that. Like I'm sure you didn't like grow up, Sam, thinking like, man, I really want to help distill complex government documents for the DoD. But like, you're really good at it now, right? Like, and and it's just because you you've you've approached this problem from from a marketer standpoint, that's really trying to help like people understand it all. Right. Sam, I think like one of the things that Joe said Uh, that, sorry, just one of the things that Joe said that like
1: really resonates with me is like, I think what it comes down to is we kind of have like a no bullshit culture at, at breadcrumbs. Like the reality is we're a business, we're trying to grow a business. We need to make money. Um, But that money creates benefits. Right. And like Joe hit the nail on the head, like. San Antonio Tech scene. I I lived and worked in San Antonio for two years. It is definitely the stepchild to um to Austin, right? And when I hired Joe, I'm like, dude, we want to build a big company and we want to grow out a sales team. And Joe sees that as an opportunity to create like interesting, fun sales jobs in San Antonio. That's a that's a benefit, right? That's directly tied to like the no bullshit mission, which is like grow a company. And if we grow a company, we get to create cool opportunities. And we get to give people jobs that are meaningful and fulfilling, right? Like, obviously, that person has to come with the right mindset and the right attitude and want to find meaning in their job. But, like, you know, these, like, mm, derivative, you know, sweeping mission statements, um, I, I think sometimes those are, like... I don't know. It's going back to your comment about people see through the fake, right? I think sometimes those are just too fake, right? Uh, luckily, Summit Seven, like that's a very that's a very real connection, right? Like what you do helps keep America safe. That that is a hundred percent plausible and believable. And when it comes from you, it's a hundred percent genuine. Other companies try to make these like tangential connections between. You know what they do and some broader sweeping impact to the world and it, it's not so believable
2: yeah man i mean if you don't believe it yourself uh and you try to say it on camera or in a blog or in an email it's just it's so obvious um it's just so obvious and you know uh the leadership i'll, I'll shout out the leadership at summit seven they're all really real and they work really really hard um, Scott Edwards and Ben Curry and uh, and, and Jason Bachelor are our uh, our leadership team, the co founders founders. And Scott and Ben actually worked t- together at NASA as data center architects. They're crazy smart. One went to West Point, the other w- wrote like a bajillion Microsoft books. And anyways, they were like, "Hey, we see a gap in the market for SharePoint consulting. Let's do that." And then they, after a while, they realized like that wasn't as great anymore because no one uses SharePoint. And so let's now do contract for uh, let's do uh, work for a government contractor. Excuse me. So the ability of them to be honest with themselves and ask really hard questions like, is what we're doing actually effective right now? No, let's shift. Like, that's been really cool to see because it translates. I mean, you know, because you want your intern that's working at 12 p.m. at night because we have 24 by 7 team now. You want your intern to feel the same weight of I'm protecting America by sitting here at a computer at 12 o'clock at night as the the same person, you know, the VP of marketing and the VP of sales or what have you, um, you know, they're all doing the same thing. And I will say I've never been to the company where there are so many unicorns that work in one place. It is crazy. Like our biggest challenge right now is hiring, not because like our HR team is not amazing because they are, but because we only hire unicorns and it's like, there are only so many unicorns in the world. And what I mean by that is um, our top, architect who architects solutions is also going to get on a stage at the end of October and talk about cybersecurity and make it relatable. You don't get architect and cybersecurity and public speaking in the same thing. Like those are not those don't work together normally. Yeah, and for so sure. everybody's a unicorn yeah, there's, I mean it's my not boss a very good like, diagram. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean my boss is he has a PhD or a let's keep he has a A physics degree and a communications degree but he writes content for cmmc and like it's like everybody has these crazy skills that like they just translate and a lot of that athleticism if you will those soft skills have really benefited our company i mean our company focuses a lot on you know hard skills because it's tech right but we hire people with hard skills and soft skills and so um yeah man it's just been it's been cool to see how we've adapted and shifted and always trying to do something different always trying to do fun stuff
1: yeah yeah, listen, I think we benefit from the same thing. Like we're we're a 20-person organization now. We're, you know, we're growing and we have nothing but great people. And and people make companies, right? Um and and when you're as direct as every one of our founding members are and you know, we're we're clear. Like the goal is build a big business, right? And and do that by helping other companies become big businesses too. Um, and you can just subscribe to the fact that by doing that, you're actually providing other benefits to the world that comes from employment that comes from education that comes from all of these other meaningful things. Um, and you don't need some kind of philosophical um, sugar of it. Like, that's, that's, that's a hard group of people to find, right? Like, Very kind of pragmatic, realistic, but at the same time, like hardworking and aspirational and can deal with startup life, right? Like starting things from zero. There's no guide, there's no guide rails. Like you're figuring it out as you go. There's tons of change. Um, You know, Joe can attest to it. We are, we're constantly trying new things and uh, that's, that's hard on a lot of people, but we found a group of people that uh that do really well in that environment and that's that's what's helping us be successful uh and it sounds like you guys have found your magic mix of people too which is is great
2: definitely Joel, would yeah, you agree I mean, with that, that? Good, joe
1: what was that would you agree would you agree that we found the right mix of
0: folks in terms of like dealing with the intangibles Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, there's so many experienced folks, and then you go back to kind of, like, ground zero, right? Like, you just got to figure it back out uh, from the start, right? And that's the startup thing. Sam, I don't know, like, you said you were employee 40 or so, but you guys are at 120 employees. Like, how much of that process has been, like, figuring it out from scratch, growing teams from, like, tripling in size, essentially?
2: probably 90% of my work week. I guess I can't speak for other people, but uh, yeah. it's like you coach all week and then you do your actual job and then you strategize. And so you work a lot um, because you're trying to um, steer the ship while it's moving. I know that's uh, you know pretty uh, cliche there, but it's real, man. It is. And you know, um, I actually went, Gary, we had this conversation a little bit. I actually went to a, a leadership college and it's a, it's a biblical based leadership college. But interestingly, we, I mean, probably 95% of what I learned was leadership principles and how to, how to create teams, how to build teams. And um, that was before I got to Summit 7. Little did I know of how much I was going to translate when I got here, but in my mind it was like, Oh yeah, it's a formula. Like, you know, people are people. So obviously you build based on people, but like, there is a structure that you can follow. Well, when you're like tripling in size and it's real life and it's just like constant, man, it changes a lot. I mean, you really have to step back and think like, okay, let me really chew on what I actually learned. And let me, let me try to implement it because now I'm not, you know, reading through an outline or a book, like, you know, I'm actually uh building a team where um, people rely on this for their family right like it supports them and um and and I did build teams you know uh, at my local church and and um we we had a lot of fun but again like those are volunteer based so it's a little bit different like you're not holding people's paychecks when when people are working with you it's it's a there's a little bit of a a a weight to it if you will and um and so yeah to answer the question it's been um, a challenge, but a lot of fun too. And we've had some misses. I mean, that's the thing. Like we've had some major misses and we've had some small misses. And a lot of that has been, uh, we're not asking the right questions. And like, that's on, that's on like me and that's on my VP and that's on other people who are leading on our team. Like we've got to ask harder questions. And, um, and, and to be honest, I mean, what we do, we've kind of come up with this, like it takes six months, To really get a conceptual understanding of what we do at Summit Seven, which seems daunting, and we tell people that, and they go, "No, it'll in the interview, right? It'll only take me two months." Trust me, it'll only take me three months. And then six months in, they are not able to like articulate what we do in two sentences. It took me twelve months to be able to have a phone call by myself and basically pitch Summit Seven. Twelve months, and like I've never worked anywhere where that was the case, and it was really frustrating because it's so complicated, and you have to distill it into something where again you're not going to bore someone to sleep on a phone call, um, and then explain why they need you because there's so many other competitors, right? And so uh, I truly believe that we have the, I mean, the best team on the planet. They're so darn smart, it's insane, and uh, so it makes great for if you have internal issues because everything's fixed, figured out really quickly but uh but you know to be honest we only touch some of the technical stuff because we're on the marketing team so there's a lot of like hey let me message our technical team and say hey does this sound right for this solution i'm baking it into a blog or whatever uh and so uh yeah i mean it it's you have to rely on other people so um again when you're smaller right there's only two of you on a team it's a lot of like you take this i'll take this and by the way we had. Um, I don't want to make it sound like it was just us two. We had two interns who were incredible, who both came on full time because they were so great. But when I first got there, it was my boss and then three interns, then it went down to two. So there was four of us. It was literally like, I'll take these 12 things. You take these 12 things and let's figure it out. And we did that and we'd be like, okay, we need to hire. And then that person would do more like, and there's a, um, there's a catch 22 when you hire, right? Cause in your mind, you're like, oh, I just need to hire cause we can do more. Well, you hire someone who has a great capacity and you do more, which means they do more, which means now you got to hire again because there's a ripple effect, right? And so I'm learning that there's this like, there's this like conundrum with hiring. So it's not always the best to like always hire. It's not always the best to like take more on yourself. I don't know if you guys have experienced that at breadcrumbs, but it's an interesting dilemma.
1: Well, listen, in terms of like, um, communicating the summit seven stuff without being boring. I think you've got that nailed for what it's worth. Uh, in terms of like, do we Thank experience you. it? Um, have we experienced some of these pains at uh, breadcrumbs a hundred uh, percent? And I think Joe, I should know this, forgive me that I don't, but like you're pretty close to like full, like on the business side anyways, full-time employee number one, right? Like on the sales marketing CS side.
0: I, th- I think I was, like, I, the first yeah real I hire outside of you guys the founding the company. Team. There's some contract kind of work that we were yeah. doing. But, yeah, uh, there yeah. was contractors
1: was a- and there was full-time developers. But on the business side, Joe was, like, employee number one. And so, like, he got all 24 things, right? <laughs> like, here's 24 things that, <laughs> yes. that we haven't had Start time life. to work on, right? So, uh, yeah, 100% and sam like if you're if you're up to it i think uh revenue camp cafe sam styles part 2 would be great just on this topic of like leadership and 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 rapid growth like i think our our viewership would love that i know that i personally would be interested in it because it's a problem that you know we're going to be we are and and will be dealing with over the next little while so um would love to do that. If you're open to it, I won't hold you to answering me now, but um, we are kind of hitting up on time. I'd like to ask you kind of one of our last questions that we can ask everybody, which is like over the course of your career, your time at seven, seven what is like one of the fallacies or the biggest fallacy you've come across in terms of like either business in general or marketing specifically um, that you'd love to share with our with our audience?
2: The lie, I think, from college and even in previous jobs I've held that the only thing that will get you employed is having hard skills in one thing. So call it you know, Adobe uh, if you're a creative. Call it uh, Microsoft Azure if you're a technical person. Like, it is such a lie. And I realized when I came to Summit 7, um, my boss was so focused on hiring another, like, not a Swiss army knife, but I guess like an, an athlete who has a lot of soft skills and some hard skills, um, as you grow, that becomes a challenge. Right. And, and, and as a, um, as a bottom tier employee, if you have a lot of soft skills, you don't get to utilize that because you're not leading, right. You, you, you can show inklings of it in meetings and stuff, but even then it's really not received very well. And so a lot of my frustration when I first started working in the marketplace was like, well, dang, like, I feel like I have people skills and I feel like I could talk well, but I don't have these hard skills. Let me try to go get them. And, um, I, I did get some certifications and stuff and, you know, like, uh, inbound marketing and content marketing and SEO and writing. Like those are things that I have that are quasi hard skills. Okay. Medium, medium soft skills. And, um, I've learned that at a growing organization who values like these soft attributes so much so much so that I was actually in a meeting uh, the other day and I an HR person came in and was talking to someone else about a new hire and she articulated like yeah it was a technical person yeah they have these technical skills yeah we're looking for that and and the the boss said well why didn't you you know extend an offer to him and she said because they didn't have the ho- the soft skills that we're looking for and this was a really technical role and I was like that's it. Like that is why Summit Seven does really well, and that is why there's a differentiator because most organizations I've been at and seen they're so focused on like, okay, bullet point, bullet point. Do you have these certifications? Do you have this? Do you have that? Which those are all important again, but they're not the most important thing. Um, again, that's a little Simon Sinek. I'm not trying to gravitate towards him, but uh, man, he's awesome. It's and all. So it's, it's all just, good. It's so yeah. true. Like it's so true. I mean, from marketing to anywhere to finance like you've got to have people that can hold a conversation because then you're talking about and I think we we covered this a little which is probably have to be part two but emotional intelligence right EQ is different from IQ when I learned the concept of emotional intelligence and there's a book emotional intelligence 2.0 you take a self-assessment and it assesses you on your emotional skills and then it gives you like growth points of like how to grow in those I mean that was one of the most beneficial books for me because it's basically a if you can handle it, it's basically a self awareness test where you're basically asking, you know, this book, who's in form of a friend. Hey, what do I suck at, like emotionally, and how do I get better at that? And um, it's a hard exercise, but if you want to grow, I mean, hardcore recommend that one. Um, and I look for yeah. I look for emotional intelligence anytime I'm looking to hire or, you know, just opportunity.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a great segue into part two. I think I'll add that, like on on my side, I think some of the things that I look for that are super important beyond hard skills or a ton of experience, Uh, tenacity, like this, just this willingness to like work at something until you can figure it out or solve it. Um, And then just like tenacity is like a a subset of, I think just a broader concept of work ethic, right? This, this notion that like you're going to have to put in time, hours, effort, Um, you're going to have to be willing to ask questions, have conversations, fail. Like that, to me, all falls under this idea of work ethic. Those two things to me are like paramount uh, when it comes to hiring decisions. But we'll talk about that more on part two. Um, As we wrap up, uh, Sam, if anybody wants to reach out to you personally uh, and spark a conversation or they're looking for more information about Summit 7, how, how do they get in touch?
2: Let's go LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I think it's linkedin.com slash sam-styles. I can give, follow up with you and give that to you. But uh, but yeah, man, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm always on there. Uh, help help do some social media with 7-7. So uh, always checking it. and. Um, that's definitely the best way you can message me or just connect with me and uh and I'm always looking to connect with other marketing people and see what they're doing. I'm I have so many other thoughts on what we were just talking about, so I'm excited about excited about part 2 and uh it's fun to see it come full circle, man. Like I lived in a lot of frustration because I felt like all these things were real, but as a young person in the marketplace, when you know, you're you're like a, a an entry level employee, you just don't get those opportunities, but that's part of the beauty of it because you don't deserve them because you're young. Like, and I had to learn grit. I had to learn humility. I had to learn tenacity. And we're realizing like, you can't teach those things. People have to learn them the hard way, but everybody wants them immediately. And those are just, uh, those are fruits that are only achieved by lots of harvesting and watering. So.
1: I agree so much. And for everybody listening, that's a teaser for part two. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of revenue cafe. As always, we're working on the other episodes. They'll be dropping soon. And again, reach out to Sam on LinkedIn or it's summit7.us, I believe is the URL if you want to learn more about Summit 7. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Joe. And thank you, everyone, for listening.
0: Thanks for watching the full episode. Make sure you subscribe to the social media links below. For more detailed info about what we do, take a look at breadcrumbs.io.